Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Thank you, worship team. I think the last time I said good morning, there's only half of you in here. So I'm going to say good morning again and welcome. It's so great to have you with us. We are in the middle of our Galatians series, and and we're now focusing on chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. You know what? Even with all these challenges we've been facing, we've, we've gone through quite a bit. We've, we've lost some people these past couple of weeks, some challenges. What has helped us, and personally what has helped me, is to remember how important the good news of Jesus Christ is. The gospel. It's, that's what carries us through when we go through tough times. And, I mean, we've been going through quite a bit of tough times these past couple of years, haven't we? Here's the thing. The message that Paul is giving in this letter is essential for the hope that we have. This is what we're talking about, the gospel. This is what the book of Galatians is all about. And our hope is not in this world. It's not in the government. It's not in wealth. It's not, it's not in this life that we live. No, our hope is in Christ and the future glory that we will experience with him. Hope in Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And in the letter to the Galatians, Paul is confronting the church because he heard that they were turning away from the gospel. And so Paul, in this letter, if you get the main idea of this whole entire letter, this is what Paul is doing is He is calling them to return to the gospel of grace so that they can walk in freedom with the Spirit. There it is. Evie has it up for us. Return to the gospel of grace. That's the call. So that you can walk in freedom with the Spirit. That's what this that's what this letter is all about. That's what he's trying to move the church to. So let's start by kind of reviewing, how is he doing this in this letter? So let me give you just kind of the, the flow of thought. I think Jeff mentioned that last week. This, what, what's he doing here? Well, Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 10, he, he basically gives the problem. What's the problem? You, church of Galatia, are abandoning the gospel. You've abandoned it for a false gospel. So he starts with the problem. Here's the problem, folks. You've abandoned the gospel for a false gospel. And then he jumps into, this is starting in verse uh, 11 in chapter 1. He starts to explain, listen, and the gospel that I preach to you, the true gospel, that is from God, not man. And then he continues on into chapter 2, verse 14, all the way through, he's trying to prove that point. The gospel that I shared with you, listen guys, it's from God. That's who I got it from. It wasn't from apostles or leaders. I didn't consult with them. When God grabbed a hold of my life, when he shared the gospel with me, I went straight off into preaching it. And I went around and people were affected by it. 
So it's not from man, it is from God. And so he's making that argument and, and, and he continues on and says, listen, it's from God. If, if it was from man, when I had with Peter, I had to confront Peter, right? I confronted Peter on some things. If, if the gospel was from man, I, why would I even confront him? Why would I cause that kind of trouble? No, this is from God. And so I had to confront Peter on it because he was off. He was off on this in, in his conduct. And so he's trying to prove to them, listen, the gospel I preached originally to you is the one and true gospel, period. Nothing else is added. No other gospel. So he works through that. And then after that, after he explains the gospel I preached is the one true gospel, then he defines what the gospel is. And that's what we, we heard last week. What is the gospel? Guys, this is, when it comes to uh, a couple of verses in the New Testament, when you want to understand what the gospel is, here it is. This is, I just thought of this like just a minute ago, the foundation for salvation. Joe, you like that? You want to put that on a t-shirt? Okay, write that one down. This is, this is it right here. This is the, um, what was the other illustration I was using? Or the picture of, of the engine that drives the train of salvation. This is it. This is, this is the power that comes for salvation. It is this, the heart of the gospel, justification by faith alone. Justification by faith alone, not by works. So what do I mean by that? Now, here's the thing. We could, so I was, I was a bit upset, to be honest with you. I was upset that Joe, Pastor Joe and Pastor Jeff got to preach that last week. I so wanted to, this, this is like, um, this is like the Super Bowl of verses to preach because this is it. This should get you up in the morning, it should make you celebrate throughout the day. It should, when, when, you, when you go to sleep, you should have a smile on your face, and it's because of this truth that is justification by faith alone. So let me not be derailed, but let me quickly recap this for you in a little bit more detail because, guys, this is so important. This is what drives the rest of the book. So I want to take a little bit of time on this. So remember last week, Jeff gave an illustration of the Grand Canyon Right? And he had some of you come up and, and try to jump the Grand Canyon, and you can't do it. Right? It's not by your works. So why does he choose the Grand Canyon? What he's trying to explain or, or give a picture of is the infinite, how infinite this is, how impossible this is. Why? Why is it so impossible to work for your salvation? Here's the reason why. We rebelled against an all-holy and powerful and eternal God. So if, if we dig into this a little bit more, when, when we make an offense, right? We offend someone or something. We, we, we have an offense. It, it's the consequences of that is measured by the offense, Right? So if I steal a piece of candy from a store, they might get a slap on the, on the wrist. If I, if I you know, steal a million-dollar you know, uh, Lamborghini, 
there's, there's a bigger consequence, right? If, 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 uh, if I break into maybe an abandoned car, little consequence. If I break into the president's car, into the White House, there's some bigger consequences. Why? Because who am I offending? Right? If, if the offense is, it, it's, there is part of what the offense is, but it's also who am I offending? So imagine this. If I, if I offended the president of the United States, the most powerful man basically in the world, there's going to be some bigger consequences, right? Compared to offending my, my spouse or, or my parents. There's going, to be, there's going to be some major trouble there. Why? Because of who he is and what he represents. Imagine, it's not just the most powerful man in the world, but the one who created the entire universe, who created you and me, who is all-powerful and all-holy by the mere word, by just speaking a word, things come to, into existence, who has no beginning and no end. This is who we offended. And so the Grand Canyon doesn't even compare to the, to, to the distance, or let me put it in another way, the depth of our sin. So I want to change that illustration a little bit and think of it this way. The wages of sin, what, what we owe, there's a debt. So imagine that we had to pay back uh, so much money that it would have to fill the, all the Grand Canyon with coins, right? So think about it, working at Walmart or Pizza Hut or McDonald's or, or whatever our jobs may be, where we have to spend the rest of our lives trying to fill the Grand Canyon. That's the debt we owe. How in the world can we do that? It would take us forever, for eternity. That's the point. We are unable to do that. We cannot do that. How in the world then is this debt going to be paid? What does it require? Here's, here's what's amazing about the gospel. This is what's amazing about Jesus. This is what's amazing about the doctrine of Jesus being both fully God and fully man. Because here it is. We needed a representative that perfectly was a perfect image of us, a perfect representation. He had to be fully man. He had to experience what, what it's like to be human and be fully human. But here's the other thing. He had to be eternal. He had to be eternal and divine because only someone who is eternal and divine can fill that debt, can pay that debt to fill up the Grand Canyon. And that's exactly what took place when Jesus came. He is fully God and fully man and he sacrificed himself on the cross. He, put, he bore our sin and paid our debt. He was the only one that was able to do it. Not by our works, but faith in what Christ did for us. Amen? That is the heart of the gospel. That is what, that's what Galatians chapter 2, 15 through 21 is trying to unpack for us. Guys, this is unbelievable. Imagine how many years you'd have to spend working at Walmart to pay that debt of the, the Grand Canyon to fill it up. 
lifetimes and lifetimes. Nope. One event, one work by God himself, fully man, fully God, did it, accomplished it at the cross. And the call is for us is to put our faith and trust in him and what he has done for us. He paid our debt. All right. This is why Paul is so astonished. How in the world would you turn away from that? Well, how in the world would you turn away from that message? So, so this is what's going on. This is why he's writing the book of Galatians. They've turned away from this amazing news, this good news of the gospel. They're turning away to something else that, I mean, doesn't even compare. And here's why he is speaking in such strong language when he's talking about this. It's it's because they're turning away from this amazing gospel. They're drifting from the gospel, and it's because this will have eternal consequences. This is about eternal life or eternal damnation. So this is why he's so astonished and surprised. And this is why we're going to hear some harsh language as we read this passage together. All right, so it's justification by faith. So he's making this argument uh, Keep that up there for a minute. He, he's going through, hey, listen, here's the problem. You abandoned the gospel. And so let me remind you where the gospel came from. It came from God, and here it is. It's justification by faith alone. And now what we're going to see is him make a little transition. He's making this argument. He's going to make a little bit of a transition. And what he's going to explain to us in these six verses is that, and Evie, this is the main idea, the main idea that all aspects of salvation comes by hearing with faith. All aspects of salvation, and I'm going to unpack for you what that means. All aspects of salvation comes by hearing with faith. So with that, let me read this passage to you. I'm going to read from uh, starting in verse 1 and go through 9, get a, a bigger context, and then we'll pray and then talk through it. So let's do that. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Do you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scriptures, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just as we walk through this passage, Lord, I pray that you would speak. Lord, it's only six verses, but there's so much packed in there. And I just, I just pray that you would reveal what you, uh, it's not my words or my thoughts or my opinions, but that they, 
that we would, all of us, hear the word, that the Spirit would minister, and that it would form us into the likeness of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this first section, we're going to kind of take this apart. Chap, uh, verses 1 and 2, this is what it basically comes down to, that faith comes by hearing and the Spirit comes by faith. So let's read this. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith. So starting this off, notice right off the bat that Paul is continuing with his harsh language. He calls them foolish. And then he asks this question, who has bewitched you? And, and we can kind of maybe camp on that word bewitch because it's, it's like somebody put a spell on them or we can say, hey, there's some spiritual thing taking place here where they're being deceived and, and Satan's involved and, and we can kind of go off on that direction. But I, I want us not to, to do that. I think that's tempting, but this is not Paul's point. He's, it, here's his point. And, and I think this helps us understand the tone of his letter. Okay, so it's really important when we read things to understand the tone in which it is. Okay, so he's not saying, <laughs> oh, you foolish Galatians. Right? That's kind of being, you know, kind of being funny and being like, oh, you. That's not, that's not the tone at all. It's you foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? So I'm going back to this idea of a, of a parent and a child and, and that, that um, parents, you experience this. Children, you may have seen this come from the parents where their eyes get big and you might see smoke coming out of their heads and they're going, what were you thinking? When, whatever you did, what were you thinking? This is the same thing here. He's doing the same thing. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Here's another phrase that I thought of, and I don't think I've heard this one. I don't think I've said this myself, but I've heard it. What possessed you to do that, right? What in, is that? Yeah, I won't say that part. What in the world? Um, but yeah, it's what, the point is, is Paul is astonished. He's surprised. He's baffled. He can't comprehend how in the world they can turn away from the gospel so quickly. You foolish Galatians, who has put a spell on you, have brought you and taken you down this direction instead of the one true gospel? So that's, that's what he's doing with this language. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And then he makes this statement, and guys, this is huge. Because this is kind of like, um, this is, this is the, the diving board, right? He, he's going to jump from this, from this statement. And he's going to start pelting us with all these questions. But it starts with this statement, this truth statement, okay? So listen very carefully what he says. He says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He's making a statement here, not a question. He's like, did you see this? No, no. He says, you saw this. Remember. It's kind of like a, a throwing cold water on them. You, you are, you're in the spell. You're, 
But let me, let me bring you back to reality. Remember what happened. Now, this phrase is a little bit confusing. When you initially read it, you think, oh, wait, were they, did they witness the crucifixion? How did these Galatians, these Gentile Galatians, witness the crucifixion? That's, that's not what Paul's referring to here. And the word that throws us off is the word portrayed. That word portrayed in Greek, I think a better translation for that is proclaimed, that he was publicly proclaimed crucified. And so think about, think about it this way, what Paul, what his ministry, okay? So Paul was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He was sent away and he had a pattern of what he would do. He would go into a city. He would go to the synagogue. Why would he go to the synagogue? Well, that's where all the Jews would gather, that was a public place where the Jews would gather and he would publicly proclaim the gospel to them, whether they believed or rejected what it, makes no difference. He would go in there and then he would go into other areas of the city where people would gather publicly and he would preach the gospel there. He went from city to city proclaiming the gospel in a public area. And what would happen is uh, some would believe and some wouldn't. So he's referring back to that time when he goes to the Galatians and he goes to the cities in Galatia. He goes, remember, I went to the public areas. You were there. You witnessed and heard the preaching of the gospel. Remember? Think of it like if, if it was a little kid, be like, yep, I remember that. Okay. You remember that. Okay. So here comes the question. He says, let me ask you only this. This is verse two. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did you receive it by works of the law? So what he's doing, he's going back and he's saying, listen, remember what took place. You heard the word and what happened? What happened when you heard the word? The answer back is, we believed. And when we believed, the Spirit came. This is what he's reminding him of. You see, the answer of that question should be obvious to them. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of law or by the hearing of faith, with faith? The answer is obvious to them because they experienced it. Because you see, let me go back to this pattern again. Paul understands this pattern because he's, he's, this is his ministry. Okay, so in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, he unpacks this for us. He says this, verse 14, how then will they call on his name or call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching. So how does this work? Well, there needs to be a preacher. He needs to go out. He needs to preach the word so that they may hear and by hearing believe. And when you believe what happens, when you believe what happens, the spirit comes. How do I know this? Well, here's another example. This is with Peter. Now, Peter, remember the story. He's on the, the roof. He's praying. He's hungry. He starts getting visions of food coming down, right? But it's unclean food. And, and basically it's describing what, what God is trying to teach him and say, listen, this message that you are to preach, 
is for the Gentiles as well. And so he basically leads him to a Gentile home where Peter starts preaching the gospel. And, and he's describing this in the book of Acts, Acts 10. And when he's in with the Gentiles, he's talking to them. He's preaching the gospel. He's saying, listen, Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He's unpacking this. And the middle of him speaking this, remember, Peter is kind of long-winded. Us preachers tend to do that. Apologize. But as he's speaking this, it says that the spirit instantly came, interrupted what he was saying, and came upon those who believed. He started speaking in tongues. The spirit was that, and Peter's like, holy cow, what is going on? The, and it says the way that the way that the Spirit fell upon us, us disciples and apostles in the upper room, it's happening to the Gentiles. The Spirit came upon them. Why? Because they heard and believed. That's how they received the Spirit. There's a pattern that happens. Someone preaches. They start hearing, believing and the Spirit comes and changes their hearts and changes their lives. You see, not only did the, the Gentiles that Peter was preaching to, you, to them experience that, but those who P, uh, Paul was preaching to experienced that. And friends, we experience that as well, don't we? How did we receive the Spirit? Was it by works of the law? For the Galatians, was it by works of law? Was it because you were circumcised? And all of a sudden afterwards, the spirit came, nope. Was it by abandoning the, um, or, or abstaining? Was it from abstaining from food that is unclean? Right, you walk into a room or a restaurant and there's unclean food there and they say, go ahead and eat. And you say, no. Boom, the spirit imparts, right? Drops on you, start speaking in tongues. No. How do we receive the Spirit? Let me ask you this for us today. Is it when we walk into this building, right? Out there, you're yelling at your wife and your kids and you're all angry and then you open up the door, you walk into the building, all of a sudden, boom! Is it by opening the Bible? All of a sudden, you open the Bible and all of a sudden, the Spirit, poof. How, does, how, do we receive, how do we receive the Spirit? Same exact way. Faith. Hearing by faith. This is what Paul is trying to point out to the Galatians. Listen, it's, you received it not by works of the law, but trusting in Jesus and what he accomplished for you. Okay. Continuing on. So that's the big question, right? Here's the funny thing that I, I, I find this humorous. Peter or Paul, you can catch a little bit of his tone, I think, by how he writes this, because he goes, I, I would do this as a, as a dad. I would say, hey, I got one question for you. And then I would rapid fire all these questions. That's exactly what Paul does here, right? It's not one question. He says, let me ask you only one question. It's not one. It's five questions. He's like firing these off. And I and I think it kind of reminds us of this tone. I mean, he is, 
He's frustrated with these Galatians. He can't believe this. And so he starts firing off these questions. Verse three, oh, and he calls them foolish again. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Let me pause there. You can keep that up, Evie, but let me pause there and explain this. So he's saying this, listen, you, you remember this people, you were there when I preached the word, you heard it and you believed and you received the spirit. And do you think now from then on, you have to continue on in, in um, salvation and, and walking with the Lord by works of the law? Is it kind of like this thing where, oh, I'm, um, I walk through the door by faith, but once I get in, now it's a mandatory, got to be working. Is it, is it this thing where I am free? Ah, oh, come on in. You're free. And then when you get in, boom, they slap the shackles of the law on you. Paul is saying no. You receive the Spirit by faith. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? No. You are being perfected by what? The Spirit. The Spirit continues on to work in you. Not any other means, but it's the Spirit. Going on to the next verse. And, and here's that, well, let me, let me point to this phrase. Are you now being perfected? Here's the point. Okay, um, Paul talks about this in other places, about walking in the spirit or walking by the flesh. Okay, and it's this question, which way are you going to go? We are called to walk by the spirit. What are the fruits of the spirit? Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, list. What's walking in the flesh or the passions of the flesh? It's sexual immorality and it's, it's strife and enmity towards others and hatred and, and all these other things, right? And so he's saying, listen, when, when you become a Christian and the spirit, you have the spirit by faith, it's going to lead you towards perfection. And, and what I mean by, for, uh, another word for that is a uh, theological word, sanctification, Basically meaning you're going to become, look more and more like Jesus. You're going to look more like Jesus. When you walk in the spirit, you're going to start to have the qualities of the spirit like Jesus did, right? Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. So how are you being uh, perfected? It's not by walking in the flesh. Hello? Where does the flesh lead? But it's by the spirit. How did you receive the spirit? By faith. How do you walk in the spirit? By faith, not by works. So that's what he's talking about here. And then it continues on in verse four. Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. So think about it this way. This salvation is not just one moment in time. It, it, there is an aspect of that right? When we believe in Jesus, when we put our faith in him, we are declared righteous. There's a declaration of it, but then there's this process of perfection, right? The sanctification becoming more and more like Jesus. And that is a lifelong thing. 
It's throughout our life. And we will never reach perfection until we get to the other side of heaven. But it's this journey that we take. And this journey, you know what? Here's, here's the difficult thing. This is what's, probably, what's hard for us. But the scriptures talk about this all over. First uh, Peter talks about this. Hebrews talks about this. That it is through suffering that we are refined, that we are made more like Jesus. It's through suffering. And so what we experience in this life, when we experience pain and trials, when we lose our jobs, when, when we're facing a pandemic, when we, when we face the loss of loved ones, when we have broken relationships, when we are accused, falsely accused, in all those ways, through all those trials, they're not in vain. The Spirit is at work through suffering. He's been working. You know, through uh, these funerals that we've been doing, we've, been, we've, we've had quite a few. Through them, there is a sadness. For those who we've lost that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, though, there's also a celebration. So it pains us. We suffer loss, and it hurts. But through it, God is ministering to us and reminding us of the truth. This is a reminder that we don't live for this world or for this life, but the, the one to come. That's what we live for. That's what it's all about. And you see, that's the spirit working in us. When he reminds us of that and we go, whoa. When we can celebrate, when we can celebrate and worship God at a funeral service, that's the spirit of the Lord. And so Paul is saying here, he's saying, listen, the, the spirit of the Lord, we received it through faith. It's working through us through faith. It's going to perfect us through faith and as we suffer, as he's working, the spirit working through us through suffering, that is by faith as well. Friends, when we're going through suffering, hold on. Hold on to Christ and what he has done for us. That's what he's saying here. It is not in vain. Hold on. Hold on for dear life. Verse five, does he who supply the spirit to you work miracles among you or do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. So here's that other question. And now he's changing it up a little bit. It's, he's talking about, again, who supplies the spirit, but also the one who works miracles. You see, not only is God making you through the spirit more like him, sanctification, but he's also working through you. That's why that's why we talk about, I think in Corinthians, where he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, right? He, he actually does work in you, and he works through you. So these works that we do, it's not to make us justified. This is, this is the outpouring or the response of being filled by the Spirit of God. That's where the works come in. It's an expression. So, Yesterday, we talked about this. It was, it's, it's funny how um, all this is kind of 
God did this for a reason, and he, he brought this all together where um, Bob, when, when he was in the hospital, he's reading Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, verse 8 and 9. And uh, Rhonda's like, this is where he was at. You, this is probably where you need to have the message. And when I read it, I'm like, man, this so applies to Galatians. It's the same exact thing. For by grace you have been saved. This is not of yourself. It's, it's a work of God. And then it continues on um, so, that you can, so that you can continue through Christ in good works. That he powers you. He empowers you to do these good works. And Bob was there meditating on those, on those words and it was his life. And his, his daughter touched upon that. She noticed it as well. She goes, you know what? Bob, he served this church. He served the community. And it wasn't because he thought that would get him entrance into heaven or to make him acceptable before God. He did it out of gratitude because of what Christ has done for him. He understood that it was justification by faith. He trusted in the Lord, and it was out of gratitude that he did these marvelous works. And you know what? The Spirit of God was with him, and so he worked through those things. And that's what he's saying here as well. He's saying, listen, the Spirit of God, we received the Spirit when we had faith, when we were saved by him. But as we're being saved, sanctified, the Spirit is continuing to work until the end, and he's also working through you. All of this is not by works, but by faith. This is what he's trying to communicate to the Galatians. And then he says this in verse 6. He gives a comparison. He gives an example. He says, just as Abraham, oh, okay, this might, sorry, I'm like jumping around. This is my third point. So that's the second. The ministry of the Spirit continues by faith. Jump to the third point. Poor Evie. Abraham is the example of this. Abraham is the example. Verse 6. Uh, I'm sorry. We're going to give the full context. Here's the full context, starting in verse 3. He says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of law or by hearing with faith? Here it is. Here's the transition. Here's the example. Verse 6, just as Abraham. So I love the small words, just as. He's comparing verses 3, 4, and 5 with Abraham. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So wait a minute, what is going on here? He, he expanding all this about, about the spirit and, and um, hearing with faith and works of the law. And then he gives this little, little nugget that Abraham what? And he puts this in quote because this is from the Old Testament. This is Genesis chapter 15. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So uh, here's a little lesson or principle when it comes to when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament. They're not just quoting the verse. 
They're not just wanting you to understand the specific verse. They want you to understand the full context. So it's always good to go back and read the whole thing. We're not going to do that today. But here's the point of what he's trying to say here is initially when God, so so Genesis chapter 15, God approaches Abraham and gives him a vision. He speaks to Abraham. He reveals himself. He reveals the word. Abraham's hearing it. And at one point, he, he questions it. And it's about having an heir. So, so here's the problem. He's like, God, you have blessed me, and, and you say you're going to bless me, but here's the problem, God. I don't have an heir. I don't have a child. My wife's barren. We're old. And, and the one that's going to come in line, he's not even going to be from my blood. And God says, oh, no, 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 no. These promises, they're coming through your child. They're coming through your child. That promise that God gives, this word that God gives to him, that you are going to have an heir, and through that, the nations are going to be blessed. That's when Abraham believed. He believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, here's the crazy thing. Now, if you continue to read from chapter 15 to 16 to 17, 18, go throughout Abraham's life. Think about Abraham's life. Think about it as a walk with God, following after him, just like us, that we are called to follow after him. In his life, there are ups and downs. In his life, there are times when he doubts. There's times when he tries to work for that promise, right? There's times when his, his wife goes, listen, I don't think we're going to have a kid. You might, you know, here's, here's option B, here's plan B. And God's like, that's not it. Remember what I promised you, right? So, so this, this, um, this faith that we are to walk with, is not just this hunky-dory and we kind of shoot to the top and be perfected, right? It's a rustling. There's times of doubt. There's times of struggle. There's times we fall, but the call is for us to get back up and continue to cling to faith. And it's through faith that we are made righteous. And so that's what he's talking about here. When he gives this example of Abraham, he's not just going, oh, chapter 15, this little phrase, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. There you go. No, no, what he's saying is look back at Abraham's life. Look at, look at the challenges he faced. And through it all, yes, he struggled, he fell. But, but he continued on to the very end with faith. He endured to the end. And this is what, a, this is what Paul is trying to describe to the Galatians. Listen, guys. Do not stray from the gospel. All of it is by faith. Faith in what you hear, the hearing of the gospel. So how does this apply for us today? Hearing with faith. I think I I spent a lot of time thinking through this. There's a lot of ways we can unpack this, but let me, let me describe for you just some of the things that I was, I was thinking about. And it has to do with why we even come on a Sunday morning. Why do we come? 
Why are we here? What is the purpose of gathering like this? And I think there's a lot of reasons. I think a lot of them are good. But there's one that is primary. There's one that is the most important. And it's that we may hear the gospel. You see, it's not just that we heard the gospel, past tense. We need to continually hear the gospel. Because salvation isn't just one point in time. It's, it's, a, it's a process to the very end. We need to be continually hearing the gospel. So we're, so one, are we, are we hearing it? Are we making a point to hear it? God's word and his promises, the good news of Jesus. And then the question is, is how are we hearing it? Because the call is for us to hear it with faith. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear things, sometimes I come with a critical spirit. Did he say that right? Is that, is that really what he meant? Right? Or just passively hearing. Yeah, 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 I already know that. Or are we hearing with faith? You know, Jesus says when he preaches, preaches the parables of the kingdom of God and the gospel, he says, let those who have ears, right? Those who have ears, let them hear. And he's not just saying, oh yeah, I heard it, okay. No, no, hearing with faith. It's this amen when the word is being preached or spoken. That's why we always go, amen? Amen, right? We want you to engage. So do we come prepared to hear with faith. That's why we gather. You know, that's why we do what we do on a Sunday morning, uh, scripture discovery, the Sunday school class. It is, it's, it's not to hear me, my opinions and my thoughts, which sadly you do have to hear, but it's, but it's to hear the word of God, to engage with it, to wrestle with it. And the wrestling and the engaging, what are we trying to do there? Soften our hearts. When we wrestle and engage with it, 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 softens our hearts, the hardened heart that we come in with, it softens it so that we may hear with faith. Why do we preach? It's not only preaching, right? That we hear the word. Why do we preach? So that we may hear with faith. Here's the other one. Why do we worship? What are the songs that we sing? Are they happy-go-lucky? Are they secular songs? Are we singing Beatles songs or... Um, you know, Taylor Swift songs to celebrate life? No. We see songs that talk about God's promises and the gospel and the truths of God. That's what we're singing. So let me encourage you in this way as well. I was thinking about this because singing is, we're, we're actually voicing, right? We're, we're, we're speaking it. But you know what fills me? is when I'm singing it and I hear it as well. So let me encourage you in this way. This one's so simple. But uh, sing loud enough that people can hear. Those, those of you who uh, may be tone deaf are laughing, right? Are you guys are the ones that are laughing? Like, <laughs> no, no, no. Sing that others can hear. That they may hear the good news of the gospel. So we have Sunday school, we have 
we have worship together and singing loud enough that, that we can hear it. We have, we have the preaching of the word. May it be that we hear with faith. Here's another one. This is why we gather on a Sunday morning. Here's another way that we can um, hear or receive. I don't think this is a stretch, but this is really important and applies to today. It applies this morning. And as we, as we gather together, we are taking the Lord's Supper. We're taking the Lord's Supper. In, in a sense, what it, because what is it communicating? Right? The blood of Christ and the body of Christ. The body which is broken for you, crucified on that cross for our sins. That's what it's communicating. Are you hearing that message when you partake? Because that's the message that we're giving. And when it comes to the blood of the new covenant, it's not by law. It's not by the Old Testament and the Old Covenant and, and having to follow laws, but it's by this new covenant that Jesus Christ forgave us of our sins. Do we put our faith in that? That's what we are communicating when we partake of the cup. Are we hearing it with faith? Are we hearing it with faith? That is the call. And that's what Paul is trying to explain to these Galatians. Listen, guys, it's not by works of the law. It's by hearing with faith. Are we a people that hear with faith? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, this, the word that you've given us this morning, it is, it is powerful. It means something. It means something to us. I pray that this word we hear with faith and that it would help us, Lord. It would, it would minister to us. It would strengthen us when, when we're going through trials and tribulations that we can even look back to the time that we first heard the gospel and you did a work within us. The spirit came that we would look back at that and said, yes, I believed. I believed with, and by hearing, I believed. And the spirit came through faith and I'm going to continue on having faith. Lord, would that be the message we hear this morning? And especially, Lord, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, that it would be communicated to us as well that salvation comes by grace through faith. Lord, that's our prayer. We, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.